Welcome to Leading and Learning. My name is David Spell, and this is the podcast where we talk about practical leadership, team building, theology, and how to create winning habits. I'm a retired police officer, a New Testament scholar, a pastor, and a leadership coach. Thanks for joining us today. I'd love to hear from you. Just leave a question or comment in the comments section for today's post, and that's at davidspell.com. Also, make sure you stick around until the end of the show where we'll have this week's Productivity Tip of the Week. Now, the title of today's episode is Keys to Understanding the Gospel of Mark. As I said, I am a New Testament scholar, and my second book was actually written on this exciting gospel. The Gospel of Mark is the second gospel that's listed in the New Testament coming right after Matthew. It's commonly accepted by scholars, though, that Mark was the first gospel that was written. In fact, Mark is probably one of the earliest New Testament documents that we have, um, probably after the, the letter of James and some of Paul's letters. So it's a very, very early uh, document. And it's commonly understood that Mark was also a primary source for both Matthew and Luke. When you read those Gospels, you see that Matthew and Luke relied very heavily on Mark as a, as a primary source. Now, when we go to study any book of the Bible, there are usually several different ways that we can approach them. A good formula to use when doing Bible study, especially when you're taking a book of the Bible, is to look at three things. We first of all want to examine the author, then we want to look at the audience that they were writing to, and then the text itself. This threefold formula will really help us when we, when we go to do some Bible study. Author, audience, and then text. Now when we talk about Mark and we look at the author, it's interesting because each of the Gospels were actually untitled in the original Greek. Now, of course, in your English Bibles, um, it'll say the Gospel according to Matthew or the Gospel according to Mark. But in their original uh, Greek text, they were untitled. And, and so the question comes, well, how do we know who wrote them? And there's several different ways that we come up with who we think were, were, were the authors for the, for the Gospels. First of all, there's internal evidence that we rely on, which we'll talk about in just a minute, with Mark. There's also church history and church tradition. And then there are the writings of the church fathers. And the church fathers were the men who came after the apostles. After the apostles died out, their followers are commonly referred to as the church fathers. And, and, and many of these men who, who, who spent time with, with Peter and Paul and some of the other uh, apostles, um, of course the Apostle John as well, um, actually give us insight into who wrote these different books. And so with the Gospel of Mark, um, when we look at it, the tradition and the internal evidence is very strong that, that John Mark was the author of that book. Now there is a passage in Mark 14 verses 50 to 52, and it's a very strange passage. It's inserted right at the, the point where Jesus is being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says this, it says that, and this is when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, it said in Mark fourteen fifty. it says, Then everyone deserted him and fled, 
A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And that's Mark 14, 50-52. And what many scholars think is this was probably the author inserting a little bit of biographical information there. Now, of course, this author doesn't give us his name. He just tells a story about a young man. But what we find out about John Mark is he was a young man during this time. Uh, He was actually the cousin of the apostle Barnabas and accompanied uh, Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary trip. Now, this was uh, turned out not to be a good experience for him because he left early on the trip and um, earned Paul's anger and scorn. And it's quite a story in the Acts of the Apostles. I'd encourage you to go and read it. And um, you, you find Paul and Barnabas actually split up later because um, on a subsequent journey, uh, Barnabas said, hey, let's take John Mark with us. But Paul said, no, 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 he deserted us last time. I don't want to take him again. But then later in Paul's ministry, it becomes very clear that they've become reconciled because Paul refers to John Mark in very warm and friendly terms and says that he's useful to me in my ministry and um, is, is very, very fond of him. So it's a very interesting story. And, and when we piece the evidence together, um, we get a, a, a picture of a, a young man who, who, like so many of us, maybe struggled a little bit at the beginning, but then finished strong. And um, again, the internal evidence and then the external evidence with the church fathers. And in this case, one of the church fathers, whose, whose name was Papias, said that John Mark traveled for a certain period of time with the Apostle Peter in Rome, in and around Rome. And he actually functioned as Peter's translator. So Peter would preach in Aramaic. His Greek wasn't evidently good enough to preach in. And John Mark would translate the the, the Aramaic into Greek. But then Papias said that Mark also would write down what Peter said, his his reminiscings of of his time with Jesus and the stories that 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 Jesus um, of, of Peter's time with Jesus, the eyewitness accounts, and Mark compiled those those stories and those uh, memories that that Peter recounted when he preached, and this was what he used to compile his gospel. So so in a very real sense, uh, the Gospel of Mark is really Peter's gospel as told to Mark. So that's the author. And again, he's a, a fascinating young man. Um, when we put all the evidence together, we, we see a guy who really benefited from being around some key apostles and who became a, a fine Christian leader, a pastor, and, and of course the author of this incredible gospel that we, we still read today. So we mentioned the author, but then we also said the, the, the audience is a good place where we should look when we're going to study a book. The author, the audience, and the text. Now, when we're looking at the audience, we're wanting to see, okay, who is this author writing to, and why is he writing um, to this particular group of people? Now, in the case of the Gospels, what it appears is that each Gospel was written to, to a particular Christian community. In other words, a, a particular church. Matthew, for example, is, is very obviously written to Jewish Christians. Uh, he talks about the the, the prophecies being fulfilled, and Jesus is portrayed as almost like a new Moses. And so it's it's very clear that Matthew's writing to a, to a Jewish audience. So he's probably writing to Hebrew Christians in and around Judea. Uh, Luke 
on the other hand, is writing to a Greek audience. We know because um, he appeals to, to their philosophic nature. Um, Jesus is presented as the ideal man, and it's, it's very clear that um, he's, he's using Jesus uh, not as just another philosopher, but that's, um, the, the Greek philosophy would be very, very important to them. So many, many of Jesus' teachings are presented with Jesus being, uh, coming across as not just a philosopher, much more than that. But um, we do see Jesus as the ideal man in, in Luke's uh, presentations. And of course, this was important to, to the Greeks when you look at their, 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 uh, um, their art. You look at the many statues and you see these chiseled statues, the ideal. And Jesus is very clearly the ideal man in, in Luke's gospel. But in Mark's gospel, um, when we think about who he's writing to, first of all, we, we look at the evidence of where Mark spent a lot of time. And towards the end of his life, he spent a lot of time in Rome. We know that he was there uh, probably with Paul and with Peter. And so this would be a church that he would be very close to. And so he was, he was writing this gospel to the, the Christians there in Rome. And, and when we talk about the text in a few minutes, we'll even get some, some, a little bit more evidence about why um, we think he was writing to the, the Christians there. So, so the audience is always important. And, you know, when we're looking at, at the audience, we want to know well, what, what was he trying to teach them. And this was very obviously um, written to a group of people that were not Jewish. Um, this was not a Jewish audience because Mark takes great pains to explain different Jewish concepts and customs that would have been very easily understand, understood by a Jewish audience. So he's very, very obviously not writing to them. But also, the, the, one of the other things is, is Mark presents much, much fewer teachings than, than the other Gospels. Uh, the Romans really weren't that concerned. They weren't Greeks. They didn't care that much about philosophy. Romans were concerned with action. I mean, you look at their primary entertainment. It was the Colosseum. And, and, and the Romans were used to conquering, and they were used to doing, and they were used to action. And so, so Mark is, uh, in, in this gospel, he's presenting a lot of Jesus' actions. We see Jesus as a man of action. Um, the word immediately is used almost a hundred times in this gospel because Mark is constantly changing scenes, one right after the other. And uh, Mark presents more of Jesus' miracles than, than any of the other gospel writers. So he's more concerned with what Jesus did. So, so I think it's, we can make a strong case that Mark was probably writing to a Roman audience, uh, definitely a, a Gentile audience, not a Jewish audience, and uh, most likely the, the church there in Rome. So we've mentioned the author, we've mentioned the audience, but also the text. When we look at the text of Mark's gospel, we can pull some themes from it that, uh, that are really worth studying. One of them is, is the theme of discipleship. The theme of discipleship is very strong in Mark's gospel. And it's not that the other gospels don't present a theme of discipleship. They do. But, but Mark's interactions with Jesus and his disciples are very interesting because the, the disciples are not portrayed in very flattering terms. Um, there are, there's no airbrush used here to um, take away their, their deficiencies. Mark presents them in all their, 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 their honest uh, human nature, where they fail, where they do well. Um, Jesus rebukes the disciples a lot in Mark. 
Um, in some cases, they're, they come across, uh, the, the, the view that we get is not very flattering. But you see Jesus constantly working with his disciples to train them and to develop them so that they could continue his ministry after he was gone. And it's fascinating that the disciples continue to struggle with this understanding of who Jesus really was up until the very end. So if you wanted to do an interesting study, just look at each encounter Jesus has with his disciples and look and see what it is that Jesus is trying to teach them. It's fascinating. Another study um, in Mark is one we mentioned just a minute ago, and that's the fact that Mark presents so many of Jesus' miracles. Um, as I said, I wrote a book on Mark. It's called Miracles in Mark. And what I do is I actually take um, each one of those miracles and we examine each miracle in each supernatural instance. But that's an interesting study because Mark presents more miracles than all of the other gospel writers. And so each miracle is being used to convey something. Each miracle, it's there for a reason. It's not just inserted um, uh, haphazardly. Mark has a reason for putting each miracle that he does in the gospel and asking ourselves and looking at these gospels is a great, great study. And it's very clear that Mark was writing to an audience that would benefit from and appreciate these miracle stories, these, these acts of power that Jesus, Jesus performed. And then another way that we could approach the text, another thing that we could study would be the teachings in Mark. Now, as we said, there's not as many teachings in Mark, so the ones that he does present, Mark would obviously feel would be very important. So which of Jesus' teachings did he include in Mark? Obviously, there would be some that he left out, some that Matthew included and Luke included and John included that Mark did not. And what teachings did Mark include? What were the ones that he felt like were absolutely essential that he had to include in his gospel? And, and I think that would be worth, worth studying as well. Now it's your turn. I'd really be interested to hear what you think about this incredible gospel. Um, or one of your favorite gospels. What, which one jumps out at you the most? Which one stands out to you? Which gospel do you go back to and read over and over again? Which one speaks to you the most? Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a comment or a question. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to carry on this discussion about the gospels. These, these are such important documents, and, 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 and they were given to us to read and study and meditate on. But of course, we're all going to have our favorites, and I'd love to know which one yours is. Which one yours is. And while you're at my, my website, while you're at davidspell.com, make sure you subscribe to get my newsletter. I send out three blog posts a week, and subscribing will ensure that you don't miss a single issue. It'll also ensure that you get my subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month. Now, since we talked about the Gospel of Mark in this episode, make sure you check out my book, Miracles in Mark. I'm going to include a link in the show notes. This book is perfect for individual Bible study and group Bible study. I know you'll love it. The chapters are short, easy to read, and full of revelation and insight. And now it's time for this week's Productivity Tip of the Week. 
Have you ever forgotten your password or your login information for some of the websites that you have to use? Maybe it was a website for the bank or something for your job, but you forgot your login information. Let's face it, some of those websites require some crazy passwords. You know, an uppercase letter, a lowercase letter, a number, a gang sign. You know, it just gets so complicated and there's so much to remember. And so this week's tip is this. Create a note in your phone of all your login names and passwords for the different websites that you have access to. You can either just use create a note using the notepad on your iPhone or you can use Evernote. Now I'll talk more about Evernote in another episode. It's a great tool, but I like using my my notepad because I don't have to worry about having Wi-Fi or internet access, which sometimes I have to have for, for Evernote. So create a note in your phone with your login information and your passwords and then you've always got it. Then you don't have to reset your password. You don't have to send the email asking them to send you a, a new password. You've always got it as long as you've got your phone. So that's this week's productivity tip of the week. Now as we close, can I ask for a small favor? Would you take just a moment and go to iTunes and give Leading and Learning a review? Your review is so important because it helps push me up in the ratings so we can get our content to more people. Thank you so much. So until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.